I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is uh, Hear Me See Me podcast. Um, Stuart today talking to the wonderful hairdresser, Gary Gill. Um, hello, Gary. Hello, Stuart. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's a bit surreal, isn't it? Very. <laughs> We're talking remotely now. I must prefer a face-to-face conversation. Absolutely. So it's but taken us a while to uh, get there, so... We could, yeah, we'd always get there. Um, yeah. So, Gary, the, you know, for everyone out there, you're an amazing hairdresser. I've followed your work. Thank you so it's much. beautiful work. Uh, would you, you know, just so people know, you know, could you tell us about how you got into hairdressing and, you know, your journey, basically? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was, uh, my mum was a hairdresser, um, so I was kind of, you know, I think very suddenly, you know, influenced by her when I was really young. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of wasn't very good at school, you know, kind of typical boy in the seventies and eighties at school, didn't really get into it, you know, and kind of became quite distracted by things outside of school and, you know, music and, you know, basically I was very badly behaved, um, at school and a badly behaved teenager and, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and I just ended up leaving school without any qualifications. I, I mean, I ended up leaving school before I should have done and started working. I was working in factories, cleaning floors. I was working on building sites. I didn't really care what I did as long as I had some money to do the things I wanted to do. But, of course, you know, that didn't really go that well. Eventually, at the time, I was running out on that, and... Um, one day I just decided I thought I need to do something, you know, which is going to, you know, enhance my life, make my mom proud of me and, you know, give me some kind of focus. And I'd always been really creative. So I just decided one day that I thought, yeah, why don't I be a hairdresser? And I, you know, I just, I'd seen the TV show, I think, where I'd seen some like guys doing hair and I thought, well, that seems like a cool job to do. Maybe I could do that. And I always wanted to do it before when I was at school and I, you know, used to have careers evenings and, you know, I was, I didn't want to be the only boy sitting in line with a lot of girls to do hair. I wanted to, you know, it was maybe, you know, I just wasn't, I didn't want to be in that, in that kind of area. I wanted to, you know, maybe seem more macho than I really was. So, um, I, you know, I always went for those kind of jobs at careers evenings that I never really wanted to do. So I ended up, just getting a job in a, a local salon um, where I was living in southwest London at the time. And, um, you know, it, I didn't know whether it was good training or not, but fortunately for me, there were quite a few of the guys who worked there were all from Sassoon's, and I got an amazing training and did an apprenticeship. And the first day I worked in this salon, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is where it's at. And 
I haven't looked back and it's been, you know, a really great life for me. So I did my apprenticeship and I just became really enthusiastic. I was doing hairdressing competitions. I was doing photo shoots. I was just, I just wanted to like drink the whole thing in and absorb everything that was being given to me. I had an amazing teacher. She was, you know, an absolute dream. And I still think of her now. And even when I'm cutting hair now, you know, maybe 30, over 30 years later, I can still hear her talking in my head about, you know, graduation and layers and, you know, all these kind of things. And, you know, I, I was very, very, very lucky. I really fell on my feet with it. And then after after three years, you know, I've, I, I've all, I guess I've always been really ambitious. And whenever I wanted to do something, I got really got stuck into it. And after three years of doing that, I decided to open my own salon. And one of the girls I worked with at the time, we did that together. And also, my mum was a hairdresser, so she came to work with us. And we had to, and we opened a you know really nice salon, you know, not far from where I live now. And we had that for nearly twenty years, and it was an amazing, you know, one of the best times of my life. You know, especially working with my mum every day. And uh, my friend and we were in partnership for, yeah, I'd say nearly 20 years. And it was one of the best times in my life. And people always say to me, what was it like working with your mum every day? And I said, it was amazing. She completely had my back. I learned so much of her, not just about hair, but about, you know, how to be and attitude and dealing with people. And she had had her own salon for over 10 years prior to that. And we'd lived above her salon. So she had a lot of experience in terms of, having your own salon and it was nice to have that kind of I was only 21 and it was nice to have that kind of mature kind of mature um, I suppose outlook and influence and also my dad was involved as well and he looked after all the business side of stuff so it was a really nice family business and it was as I said it was one of the best times of my life and um, I learned so much I mean I did a lot of things wrong but I also I you know I learned by a lot of those mistakes and uh, yeah, it was very successful and we ended up buying the shop next door and expanding it and we had a, you know, really big shop and at one point between 20 and 25 people working there and um, it was a really great business. So that was kind of, I guess, you know, chapter one and chapter two and then I, you know, I kind of got slightly itchy feet and as much as I was loving it, I, you know, my I, my mum was getting a bit older and I knew she wanted to retire. My business partner, you know, had a family and I was just spending more and more time not doing hair and more and more time in my office and my computer and dealing with, you know, staff problems and, you know, all those kind of things. And as much as I didn't mind that, I just thought I, I've got to either make a move now or I'll never... I'll always sit here when I'm like, you know, the age I am now and think, why didn't you do it? So we man- we managed to, to cut a long story short. We managed to sell our business and we sold it to a bigger um, salon group. And I stayed on as a creative director and as a consultant, which I did for maybe 10 years, which was a really nice job because I was kind of working from home on it a bit. And the rest of the time I was free to kind of do what I want. And that's when I started doing session work. And, um, I kind of, I fell into session work really and, you know, I used to sit in my salon, read magazines and think, oh, I could do this, it's easy. It's really easy, you know, and it was only when I started doing it that I realised how difficult it was and how hard it was going into the session world and, you know, working in fashion at, you know, what I considered a high level at the time, how difficult it was and how 
much of skills had to change. So I had to really go back to basics and started assisting other people and working on show teams and really learning the ropes of what, how it was to be a session hairdresser. And I guess I got away with things for a while. I was very passionate. I'd always loved photography. I'd always loved art. So those kind of two things really came together when it, in terms of me finding an aesthetic. And I guess I'd been doing it for three or four years and I guess just just about getting away with it and still doing some good work, you know. But I also didn't feel, I felt like I, I could be better and I needed to be better. And I also needed to understand what my aesthetic was and what I wanted to say. And I was doing a lot of work I wasn't in session where I wasn't really enjoying and I just thought I need to strip this right back go back to the beginning and find out what I want to say. I need a message. I need a point of view. And I need a, an aesthetic in terms of my hair and the photography that went with it that was really going to say something. And it's only when I went back to that point that I things started to work and things really started to open up. And I really, you know, my career really snowballed really quickly. So, you know, it's been from there that, you know, the last kind of, I guess, 13, 14 years that I've been doing that, which has been, you know, it's gone from strength to strength. And um, I, I, I didn't, you know, I never, the first, I'm uh, represented by Streeters now, which, and they've been incredible and an incredible agency. And I've learned a lot since I've been there. But for the first kind of 10 to 12, 13 years of my career, I represented myself. And having a good business background really allowed me to, um, understand what I needed to do business-wise. And I think that's one thing that I would always say to people coming into the industry, that it's really important, A, to have a good business sense of what you're doing, but also set up a really good aesthetic in terms of making everything you do fit together and have a really good point of view and create, you know, something that people, a look that people will come to you for. So yeah, from then I've gone gone on to do you know do like you know really big shows at Fashion Week in Paris and Milan and New York and London and big big campaigns with brands and you know great editorials for amazing magazines and things I never dreamt that I would do and even now I'm still pinch myself on a daily basis that these things are happening and I'm doing this work and you know I'm exceptionally grateful for everything um, and I think. You know, I've, I've done it and become successful at it at an older age, and I think that's really helped me to be able to kind of position myself in the right place and understand what I need to do from a creative point of view as well as a business point of view. So that's where we are today, really, um, you know, working flat out on shows, editorial, and brand campaigns, and I'm loving every minute of it. I was smiling all the way through that because <laughs> I was literally smiling because the early part of it was so similar to mine. Right. And there were so many similarities along the way. We Obviously, we went different ways towards the end of it. But, yeah. you know, the, the thing of the salon and the, um, you know, and you're working with mum. Like, um, how yeah. do you work with mum? Well, I've worked with my sister. Um, right. All my work in life. And, ah, uh, okay. More so, well, I just, the salon closed at the end of, last year like end of 18 right. and um it, it but we had that for 30 years and we worked together wow. um wow. and she we'd never had a row we never mm. actually ever had an argument 
Yeah. I mean, more of that to the point that, you know, I just admitted I was wrong every time. So that's that, <laughs> how we got through that. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, when you said that, you said she had my back. I really resonated yeah. with that. Yeah. No matter what went on, like having your sister there and you having mum. Yeah. You've got someone there who's got your back, which is quite special, I think, in business. And um, Really, it really was, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I had a good, a fantastic business partner as well, and she was, you know, she's very close to my family and always had been. So we felt like we had every base covered and we were able to support each other. And, you know, I think having a really strong unit in terms of family business was, you know, very, very, very powerful in terms of having a very successful business. And you can see, like, brands like Tony and Guy, for example, how come they became so successful and so powerful with that kind of family business. I guess that can go one or two ways, kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it can. You've got to be a close family, haven't you? I mean, yeah. It could could be a disaster. It can be rivalry and things, but... um, Luckily for me, luckily for you, it works really well. Um, and it's, as, as you said, you have to sometimes, you, you sort of just went into it and you have mistakes um, because I was not quite, and 21 was young, wasn't it, to have a sat on? Very, yeah, but I, 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 I also was, I was very arrogant as well. I was a very yeah. arrogant young hairdresser. So I thought I knew it all. Yeah. Everything, I didn't care about anything. It was like, it was all going to be fine. And, you know, it was only, I, I felt like that kid who started climbing a really, really big tree. And it was only when I got to the top of the tree, <laughs> 15 years later, I was like, ah, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? What am I doing? I have got a clue what I'm doing. I'd love some of that courage now, would you? Some of that courage of you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I had that kind of, you know, that courage and arrogance of you. Um, yeah. which which was at the time it worked well it worked yeah. at the time but it's only yeah. looking back now that I wish I'd done things so differently I mean where did you train Stuart? I trained in a, in a salon in Essex um, right and it okay. was uh, it was quite you know out of the way uh, but it's I was really same as you I was really lucky it's who you get in with and it was called Lorraine's Doorway and um, Steve Brooks was a partner and at the time um, it, uh, many salons out that way weren't really doing much but they were really involved in L'Oreal and they were doing the colour trophy and all these things yeah. they were yeah. doing, I remember doing photo sessions with them and yeah. uh, like stuff that you didn't appreciate at the time absolutely you know and working hard because you know you do your long hours every week and then you go and do your training sessions of an evening mm-hmm. photo shoots would be every weekend and you'd be there early in the morning I mean, a photo shoot used to be Polaroids and this, and you know, you, yeah. you know, early in the morning till midnight, and doing all these things. And it was all off your own back, wasn't it? It was all because the, the love of what you were doing. It wasn't like absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, the passion was there, and then I related to you when you said you're just in the office most of the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I did the last five years of my salon. Uh, we we had it for thirty years. Salon. The wow. last five years, I was in the yeah. office while I was on the floor. And, to be yeah. honest, this is where haircuts are going to save me because I, I, sure. I said before, I was a bit punch drunk by the high street. And yeah. then, yeah, I just suddenly, yeah, you must, yeah, you, you must get that. And yeah, I just, I done this first session. I was, um, I was just, I happened to be doing this thing because I, I work, I work with alcoholics. I mean, and I was doing this thing, volunteering at the Salvation Army and I was doing, 
this thing where you I was in little talks to groups, you know, and and, mm. and I saw the guys coming in. I saw that Mark Bustos in America doing it on the street, and I thought, yeah, oh, next week I'm bringing these scissors. I'm going to cut some of these homeless guys' hair. You know, yeah. they've got an original yeah. idea. And then the first day I did it, it was just took me back to the time you were talking about and I was talking about of that being a young, arrogant, but just, it wasn't that, it was the fact of just doing hairdressing. Yes. It took me back to that glory day of just cutting hair and just doing it, you know, no ulterior motive, no money involved, just Mm. making someone look and feel better. Mm. Um, and it resurrected my hairdressing passion, I must admit. And people yeah, say, sure. oh, it's wonderful what you do. So I said, completely selfish. I got so much out of it. Mm. But, you know, and it's, and, and I think what, with you, with going into then the social work and the artistic side of things, you could express yourself. And it yeah. went away from business back to art, which your yeah. work is really an art. I mean, it's beautiful, your work. Thank you so much. I mean, I've I've heard you say before that you 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 felt like it was a calling. I mean, which is a very kind of I find that really powerful statement. You know, um, I, I think it's a wonderful thing to say to to call it a calling. And I think I think what you do is just incredible. I, I you know, I mean, I guess we work at you know such polar <laughs> ends of the market, but there's something in the middle where I yeah. really, where we, I guess we really connect. And I, yeah. I guess being a similar age and maybe training in a similar, a similar yeah. time and, you know, going through the different kind of involvement of hairdressing and where it is now and, you know, all the kids wanting to do session work and, you know, it, you know, very kind of it is the thing to do. But, you know, for me, you know, I've, the, the fact that I've heard you say it was a calling was, has resonated with me so much. And also the fact that the power of the haircut. And I often get asked, what is the, what, what is it that you, that you miss about working in the salon? And, you know, it's the camaraderie. It's that kind of, I guess, a routine and regularity, which I loved. And I, you know, I love being with people, but, I miss what I do miss is that that very ordinary, which seems like a very ordinary process to most people, but to me to cut someone's hair and to make them feel better just through a pure simple haircut is one of the nicest feelings you you can ever have. And I don't have that anymore. I don't get that anymore. So you know that is one thing that I would say that I really really miss is the the power of of the haircut of the way to psychologically make someone feel better take away the, the aesthetic take away the visual process and and the result it's just the, the the joy of seeing someone sit in the seat you do the cut and you see them their whole kind of personality and their whole character elevated when they leave it's such a nice feeling and to do that in the way you do it it must be so rewarding um and I, I just think you do it so well. You know, what, what do you think it is that makes you able to do it so well? More than, you know, it, it, you know, some people might be kind of nervous to do it or, you know, I, I go into my work feeling nervous about always about what I do. I never go into my work thinking I'm not nervous, but to do what you do, I just think incredible from, 
that perspective to deal with, you know, all the different characters and all the different problems that those characters have. And, you know, is, is that power of the haircut something which really kind of enables you to to kind of push through when things get difficult for yourself or for those people? I think um, it's the, the natural thing that ties many of us in the hairdressing world. Um, we've all got, and it's what draws us to the industry, we've all got a natural empathy. Mm. Um, mm. And, it, you know, from from uh, someone working in a salon, someone freelance, someone, you know, to, to even to what you're doing, um, we've all got that that sort of core empathy that... that we can, we're great communicators. You said stuttering. We're great communicators. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're wonderful communicators, and, and that's what it's about. It's human human connection and communication. Yeah. So that's what comes across, and that's what we've. That's why you know we've got an army now of six hundred volunteers, and, yeah. and they've yeah. all got this passion running through them. The ones that are there's lots of people like the like button but not many people press the action button and they're the ones that are really drawn to it for some reason that there's something resonating mm. with them to do it you know yeah. and even yourself like you said you've never been and I'm sure I'm sure when this madness is over that you you know you'll come along one day and you'll get that buzz out of it you'll, you'll, yes, I'm sure you'll come along and, and my job is to then reassure people and they always say afterwards we go for coffee and they say I'll say it wasn't as bad as you thought it was, was it? You know, because we, we, we all elevate these things in our mind the night before, don't we? And it's like, it's like <laughs> oh, this. And <laughs> yeah, I elevate everything in my mind. <laughs> yeah, this <God>. massive <laughs> blockbuster. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> the most simple things. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But there, there was, because we've had, we get, we get, like I say, home hairdressers, salon workers, self-employed, we get all sorts on our volunteers. Mm. But we could do get some people like yourself in, in the high end of the fashion world. Mm. And they come along and they're all blown away by it, you know. Yeah. And recently, and she was on the podcast, I had Anna Caffoni. Ah. Yeah, she's a wonderful lady and she come yeah, and done absolutely. it. And, yeah, and she was, she, it just took a breath away because she, cause the world she was in, or yeah, the world yeah. she well she was in yeah I suppose it's not happening so much now but yeah no I mean you know, she yeah. is a wonderful uh, person I bumped into her in the in the train station you know about a year ago and we had a lovely conversation just out of the blue which which is really nice she's a lovely lady yeah yeah and that's it and that's that's you know it's that um, it goes across all bounds you know. Um, and it, I had one. Uh, I had a guy, um, and he. Uh, I had a. It was actually um, Louis. Louis uh, Byrne. He he does. Uh, um, uh, he does the hair for. Uh, oh, I love her. Oh, the, the girl who does the voice and everything. She's Emma Willis. I always forget her name, okay. but I can see her. I always see her eyes. I'm, I'm, she's got the most beautiful eyes. Um, and she, he does her hair, and he's obviously like, he goes around the world doing his thing. And he cut this guy's hair, the guy got up, he went, Cheers, mate, that saved me a tenner. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, if only you knew, pal. <laughs> me a tenner. Oh. But, you know, and it's everyone's humbled by it, mate, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, that world humility is such a. 
is, is used a lot, I guess. And I guess I feel like over the last few years, you know, the word humility has been used more and more and more. And, you know, yeah. do you think it's, do you think that, you know the, the the kind of the volunteers. I mean, you got six hundred. That's incredible. I mean, is, is the most of them in you know the bigger cities, or I mean, do you, do you think? And also, do you think these the, the, everybody needs to feel some kind of humility from time to time? And when you're working, say in fashion and beauty, especially at a very high level, mm. that maybe there isn't that feeling. And I think I feel like everybody needs to come back down and back to reality in terms of humility and you know do you think coming into as you said you get a lot from it mm. um and it does a lot for you like i think all those kind of things are, it's a two-way street isn't it and okay. do you think a lot of the, the the volunteers are you know outside of that they're working in salons and doing their own their own um work doing other things do you, do you think that what, what do you think most people's motivation is to to do what you do and to join your group of volunteers? I think generally there's a backstory. There's generally, yeah. once you chat and it's everyone, it initially is the thing, oh, I've seen what you do, like, like I wanted to join in. Mm. And then you just, you know, you speak a bit longer and then there tends to be, um, what it was, my dad or my cousin or my friend or my boyfriend or yeah. there's always tends to be something that someone's been yeah. affected by either addiction or homelessness yeah. or yeah. or abuse, you know, like you yeah. know, there's, we 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 do quite a bit of work in so we, the ones we don't sort of publicise are the women's refuges because we can't right. generally, yeah. and so there's all those sort of things. So yeah. it, it just just all there seems to be always something in someone's backstory that draws them to it. Yeah. So there's yeah. something that makes people look and like, and then there's something that makes people just sort of look a bit longer, and that yeah. gen generally is something from their past. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there the seems to be such a big kind of move and drive towards you know homelessness and uh, helping, you know, helping out with you know helping people who have got so many problems, as you say, across the board from addiction to. Mm abuse to mental health and you know there's such a big kind of push towards mental health at the moment i just listened to one of your podcasts about the um tuesday night bites and oh, yeah. the amount of work that they're doing as well and yeah. you know just the amount of needs that there is for in the big cities for you know for for this kind of work and this kind of i suppose you know people having opening up and having some empathy and you know, working hard, and you always find there's a big drive towards it at Christmas, what, mm. and you know for obvious reasons. And people, I and I just feel like you know your volunteers to be doing it all year round. It's just an incredible thing for them to do, and there must, be, as you said, the, you know, I guess the backstory of everybody has something that they feel like they need to give back somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone needs a why. I mean, it all comes down to your to your why, mm. and. um it, 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 that's the thing that keeps them coming. So there's, mm. there's some people, and it's bless them all. Like some just do a couple, and it's you know they enjoy it. Mm. There's some the ones that keep coming back and back and back. There's something that really drives them, mm. uh, and something some reward on a, on a spiritual level that they yes, get. You know, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. It taps into something more than the physical. Yes, um, and that's Absolutely. really what drives most of our why. If you want to look what 
about motivation and things like that with people, you have to just keep mm-hmm. drumming down into the why. And once you find that, you know what drives you as an individual. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then that you can use that then, you know. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I know, um, you know, obviously, you know, I work with Beauty Papers and Maxine Leonard and Valerie yeah. Wicks a lot. And, um, yeah. you know, amazing people who do amazing things, creatively. And I know they're kind of got behind your haircuts for the homeless. Oh, and, yeah. you know, the, the amazing... Shout out to Maxine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Compulsive nature, that is Maxine Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, completely. And everybody knows that I'm sure would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and I know they've made a short a short film about you know the um, I've seen a small trailer for the haircuts for the homeless and the Whitechapel mission. What yeah. what do you what what's your kind of hope for that film? And you know, I mean, obviously awareness, and yeah. you know, I know that you were supposed to be having a kind of screening stroke premiere very yeah. soon, and obviously <laughs> due to the. Yeah, obvious problem at the moment. Yeah, um, they're working on a, a digital, like some sort of small digital release, and then yeah, obviously when things come back to normal, then doing the proper one. Yeah, just doing it later. But um, it, it's all I don't mind anything of that nature as long you know it, it all progresses the calls. Um, mm. So anything out there, aside but Simon who's done the filming of that. Yeah. I've not really I've not even seen the clip, I've just saw a little bit of work in edit mm. that he showed yeah. me. Yeah. And it took my breath away. It's stunning, mm-hmm. stunningly beautiful really, piece of work yeah. that he's done. Mm. Um uh, and I didn't I'm a bit of an open book, Gary, you know, so I, I sort of just spurt these things out and then <laughs> it's only when I hear them back they affect me. And I think the bit he showed me was a bit I was talking about um I think I was talking about my daughter, um my yeah alcoholism yes. and it yes. really hit me I've cried to tears coming down my face you know and it's I can say it I can talk about it easily but I can't hear it mm. <laughs> sure. I think it's going to be sure. difficult when we finally get to see it I think it'll be pretty difficult for me to watch but yeah. not in a bad way because it, no. it's a beautiful piece of filming that is no I, I, I know exactly what you're saying but I mean it must be a really amazing thing to think where you started this from Mm. You know, to having, you know, film and having a screening and having, you know, so many, you know, oh. great people get behind what you do. Oh. It must be it's, just... It's surreal, real, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's surreal. And I put, as you said earlier, you pinch yourself every day. I do yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. won't stop us. I mean, this is this, this is just press the pause button. Mm. So it's, not, it's not press the stop button. This is press the pause button. And I think we all need it. We all mm. needed to press the ball for them. This is the, the good that comes out of this situation is that, you know, occasionally you have to press the pause button to reflect. And as mm. and humanity's, pre- you know, nature, mm. whatever this has caused, this has pressed it for us. It's said, hang on a minute. You've got to stop a minute, take stock, mm-hmm. and then move forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how you feel, but um, that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean... God, it's a real minefield, mm. isn't it? I mean, mm. I, I guess firstly, what I was curious about was how this will affect. Obviously, you're not able to work, and your volunteers aren't able to work. How is it going to affect the people? You know, the people who go to the mission, Whitechapel mission, for example. How's this mm. situation with the coronavirus going to affect them and the resources that they use on a daily basis? What you know, that that concerns me. A great deal, 
You know, there was one minute people were talking on the radio about footballers not giving up their wages, and then you're talking. We're talking now about people who rely on these resources that you're part of. How's it going to affect them on a day-to-day basis? I can't get my head around that. No, uh, it's 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 broken my heart. I mean, I um, when I called it that we had to stop. Mm. Uh, I didn't sleep all night. It, it, yeah, it, it, it came about a week before that they told us to stop, but I knew in my heart I'd to. I'd been finding lots of admissions and lots of the centres and spoke to team leaders and I spoke to insurance and all, like, everyone I could think of to make the informed decision. And in the end, I knew it's a responsible thing to do to protect our volunteers mm. and be able to carry some like, long-term thinking. We need long-term thinking for this stuff. Um mm. And then, but then straight away, I mean, these are not just customers. Like um, yeah. these guys, unfortunately, I've, I, I've known some of them for five years. I've been doing this for five and a half years. I've been doing yeah. this, and yeah. I've known some of them all of that time. There's, there's mm-hmm. Straight away, five or six jump into my mind who I've known all of that time, and the thought of them out there um, with nothing. Yeah, it, it's so scary. Um, mm. Some of the councils and, I mean, the government's doing its best, but some of the councils as well have managed to get, I'm hearing reports from my um, centres that they are getting people undercover now, getting people in, you know, housed in rooms and things. But I know the guys and some of them will not cope because you can put someone inside and they can't cope inside. So, oh, right. okay. do you see what I mean? It's difficult. Yeah. They, they, you know, um, and even though they know it's for the best, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, they, they just can't cope in there. So it, it's, it's, it's not an easy answer to any of that, Gary. And I just, mm-hmm. all I hope is that, that, that we have the fewest amount of casualties as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't wait to get back out there, uh, 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 get back out there and help them again and try and help them all get over it, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think that it's, it, feels, it feels like, you know, um, it's going to be a really big kind of hill for us all to climb to get mm. over this. Um, I truly believe whatever sector of you work in across globally, things are going to be, things are going to be better and there are going to be casualties along the way from, you know, people's businesses, people's mental health, people's um, addiction, you know, abuse and the, you know, the, all the things that I think all those things are going to be really highlighted. And I do think that, that even after the casualties, good will come from this because I do think, you know, good always comes from bad yeah. and you know like you said that the world does need a reset we all need a reset we need to rethink the, the way we do things mm. um and um the way we go about things and our attitude towards things and our attitude towards people and you know the, the amount of empathy and humility that we have to have for other people um and and also you know looking into you know kind of better management better leadership you know and we are in my opinion, you know, living very dysfunctional lives. I mean, um, my my schedule 
for work is just ridiculous. You know, it is ridiculous. And I can deal with it. I can cope with it. I have a good team. Um, I have an amazing team and I have great management and I'm very, 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 very grateful for that. But I'm, you know, and so it's kind of, but when I think about, you know, people at the other end of the spectrum who have no support and have, you know, I was listening to a radio program about a freelance hairdresser and she had £15 in her purse and that was it, you know, and where was she going to go from there? And, you know, all of those things could happen so easily to so, or will happen to so many people. And I'm, I'm just, I really am quite, I, I, the word's not, um, I guess I'm very, very confident that the good will come from this and people will start to realise how much stress we're under. You know, I think it's something like 15 million days a year lost just stress alone in this yeah. country because of, you know, people's, you know, and the amount of disruption through, although digital stuff's incredible, but it's also very, very disruptive. And, you know, are people going to realize that we really need to take a step back and realize the things that are really important, you know, in our lives, you know, and not being able to reach out to family, not being able to reach out to anybody really, you know, and I suppose it's going to change the shape very much of the way we work. And I think that that can only, you know, if it's even what you're doing or even what I'm doing and everything else in between in our industry, it's going to change the shape of it. And I think that can only be a good thing, you know? Mm. I mean, it's, I suppose it's, it's getting used to a kind of a, a newer kind of, a newer way of life and a newer way to look at things, isn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, do you, do you think that, do you think that, I'm so curious to know that, I mean, you know, you work with these people all the time, so you know their kind of problems and their day-to-day -day struggles, you know, and do you think their day-to-day -day struggles are going to be, how is this um, kind of lockdown going to affect their day-to-day -day struggle? Well, I think that, you know, firstly, um, they're very isolated. Many, right. Many, many of them are very isolated anyway. So. Yeah. It's <laughs> so ironically, um, this is going to hit them hard because with everyone else in isolation, uh, yeah, do you, do you know what I mean? It's it's, yeah, it's, it's another okay. thing. Um, uh, and I, I know some of these centers are that see, a big thing I've witnessed, and you said about Tuesday Night Bites, Tuesday Night Bites is quite incredible because it's very young. Like the, the workforce is very young, so right. we're seeing a generation now that are becoming socially conscious at a younger age, yeah. mm -hmm. which is very, yeah. uh, you know, that, it's very it's hopeful, isn't it? Yeah. Very encouraging and hopeful. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and but there they they do it is based on a soup kitchen, and they do do all of that. But as you heard, a lot of it's about companionship, and you see these mm -hmm. young people, they, they, they all the foods given out and then they will sit and chat and converse mm. and I think that's the, the thing that people are really going to miss because some places are operational but they're doing like a backdoor service so literally it's just the food which is still essential you know if you, you, we need that but again that handed out and then that's it 
Yeah, um, but it, but it, as you say, it's that companionship on yeah, the, in it, a kind of a supposed to safe environment, isn't it? Because yeah. I guess when they're out on the streets, the companionship isn't a self safe environment, really, is it? There's always no. the potential of something, you know, going wrong or kicking off or you know, yeah. they're, they're surviving by their their wits. I guess at least when yeah. they're in the space where you're cutting their hair or they're having food or they're being, you know, someone's just literally talking to them. They've got a kind of, they can kind of let that guard down for a while. And that must be a real break, mm. mustn't it, for them? Yeah, and we see it with the haircuts because it's, a, it, it, as we say it, many times, it's, it's more than just a haircut. And yeah. you find quickly it's not the haircut, it's the, it's the touch, it's the communication. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and it's people who feel invisible yeah. suddenly feel visible. People who feel that they're not mm. heard. You know, yeah. it's why the podcast got called this, Hear Me, See Me, because it's what they cry out for. Mm-hmm. It's that look at me and listen to me. Um, mm. And I'm afraid that in this situation, a lot of people will, you know, you know, they're, they're just going to feel like they've gone backwards. But um, mm. it, it's, it will be temporary, you know. So it may be longer term, but everything is temporary. And you said about us growing through this. Shame on us if we don't. You know, this is a unique situation. You know, it's absolutely, this will never happen again. Please, God, it will never happen again. Mm. So this point of, like, stop, pause, reset, we really, all of us have got a duty to make the most of it and and bring something positive positive out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think, you know, know, people's mental health is... You know, mental health is such a big thing. I know we touched mm. on it earlier, but, you know, a lot of the people that you look after and a lot of the visitors to the centre that you look after are obviously very, very much on the edge of their mm. mental health tipping over the wrong way. Do mm. you think I've, you know, looking through social media in the last few days, I've been seeing a lot of people posting, saying they're, they're you know, people who've got, you know, jobs and, you know, um, lives and children's and homes they're still that people are finding their mental health is suffering and i'm you know i keep thinking about that and thinking about how fragile mental health is and how mm. you know how fragile it must be for these people and there's this situation going to mm. take them to a point where it takes them you know to a place they don't want to be well i think the biggest it is one of the biggest things we find when we do the work you know mm. mental health uh, uh, it's such a big, big problem out there because we sort of went for a, um, a time, you know, I remember it, a time, I think it was the 80s or, you know, that it was a care in the community. So the, the, the government at the time decided that we give people more responsibility and we closed down a lot of establishments where people were staying and the, the idea was to give them, you know, get them out into the community and care from in the community. But what happened was, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, the care part of it didn't get put in place. And so you just had people in the community and, you know, the the resources and everything for mental health. I've suffered from mental health all my life. Um, I've seen things happen. I mean, I've said this before. I recently, like when when I lost my business, um, like 18 months ago, um, I phoned the doctor because I was in a state, I had a bit of a breakdown, I couldn't, and I'm, I'm actually lucky and fortunate that 
been in recovery, I've got I've got tools to use. I've got a strong family network, so I, I was yeah. privileged. So I was yeah, having a breakdown in privileged circumstances. <laughs> I still sure. needed to reach out to the doctor, and he, my doctor, bless him, has known me for years, and he knew I was struggling, and he recommended this, you know, to call, and then the call led to saying I needed some therapy, and mm-hmm. you know, so it went on, uh, and then. I was driving along one day, six months after, and I got a, a, a phone call from Haven Mental Health saying, and, and I said, oh, I thought something was wrong with one of my loved ones, and it's like, oh, it's about your therapy. <laughs> 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 and, I felt, and I was just fuming. You know, like, I said, you know, and it, you always take it, you always shoot the message, in you? And I said, like, what are you talking about? I said, I needed this six months ago. I said, you know, there's people dying out there and then she said yeah. she said to me bless her she said oh I take you don't need the appointment and hung up on me <laughs> I mean, you know if you don't laugh you're going to cry mate because Absolutely. this is the thing and I'm, I'm, I know every, look people do their best with the circumstances they've got but mm. not enough it's really not the mental health in this country when we come out of this has got to be it's, you know the help has got to be escalated um, and, and we will find that the, and the problem is the vulnerable people out there are suffering the most because they're in the most stressful situations in their life so they're, they're, mm. they're, they're vulnerable to begin with and then add it to the stressful life they're living it exacerbates their, their mental state and you get, sure. and it gets from worse to worse and that's why people then lead to you know not, not every homeless person is an alcoholic or a drug addict but mm. it often leads to that because I know from experience it's a way of shutting this stuff off. Yeah, it's not sure. ideal, but it, unfortunately, it's very effective. That stuff works. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to get away from something for now, and you know, I'm, I'm absolutely not advocating any of that because I know it makes things worse. But absolutely, I can see why they turn. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you know you're yeah. soaking wet. Summer's nicked your tent. You're having yeah. a bad day. What yeah. do you want a coffee or 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 a, or a shot of vodka? You know, like, I do get yeah. it. I do understand. Yeah, absolutely, it, you know. absolutely. And and do you think that um, you know the? I guess. I suppose it, it's it. You know it. You know the the availability of say help at this time is so, even harder, isn't it? Even if you you know. I mean, yeah. If you, you know, just the thought of having to go to hospital for something else apart yeah. from coronavirus, you know, I mean, those people must be feeling extremely vulnerable that there is no help at all because even right. when the help is at its best, it's still not its best, is it? It must be, right. um, you know, and and as you said, you know, I, I guess, you know, I feel, you know, we've, I've grown up in a kind of a very privileged environment and any problems that I've, I've had in my life I've kind of dealt with under the kind of umbrella of privilege in terms mm. of um, you know having good family support and you know I guess my work has always been incredible kind of I've always had that to turn to and maybe sometimes turn to it too much to mm. you know block things out but you know to actually have absolutely nothing when and no support and, and nowhere to go, I mean, it just makes the power of what you do at Haircuts for the Homeless just so much more powerful and the therapy of that pure mm. time in the chair and the haircut. Yeah. You know, it, 
I don't know. I, I can't. I, I just can't. You know, emphasise enough how incredible I think that that process is and the value of what you've added to so many people's lives. On a, mm. you know, I, I mean, how often do you go to say Whitechapel? Uh, every project we've got sixty-eight now across the country. Right. Every project w- runs once a month. Right. So um, the guys, wherever they are, be it in Liverpool, Manchester, Whitechapel, they all know we're coming in a month's time. Mm. Most people who, who engage with us from the from the centres say they can't wait for you to come. They say, when are the haircuts coming next? They they generally advertise it. Um, so each team, I, I, I'm living it, but each team and each volunteer, we only ask of them half a day once a month. Right. And I think that's why we keep such a high, we retain quite a high number of our volunteers. Right. And we, we don't put on them too much. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, you've got to be keep practical. People have got to live their life and they need, you know, Time is the most, we're really finding it now, time is the most precious commodity. You know, yeah. it's, it, this is, time will come out of this, the new money, and it will be, people have realised how valuable it is. You know, sure. because, sure. you know, if someone nicks a tenner off you, you can soon get a tenner back. Someone nicks an hour of your time, <laughs> which I hope mm-hmm. I'm not going to do today, Gary, but no. it, do you know what I mean? It's like you can't get that back up sometimes, can you? You know, when yeah. you've had that half-hour chat with someone who's drained the life out of you, you think, oh, you've watched this awful film and you have to watch it till the end and you think, <laughs> I'm never getting that time back again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this hour has been the best hour I've spent for a long time. And, um, oh, please to hear that. <laughs> you know, in this in this kind of situation we're in at the moment. Yeah. I mean, some of the volunteers they must um, have. You know, do, do they ever get emotional, and are they oh, are yeah. they affected in in yeah. ways that you? Yeah, yeah. You know, usually, it, it, it's honestly, it's, it's such a it's just a roller coaster because one minute we're all crying our eyes out, next minute we're all laughing our heads off. You know, sure, um, sure. But that's what the team's about. That's why we've got team leaders. We've got teams. Um, each group's got a WhatsApp group, um, and I'm noticing even today I was looking at the Romford one. They're all on there chatting on each other, checking they're all right. You know, uh, all across the country, all of these WhatsApp groups are going on, so they're keeping in touch. Mm. Um, uh, they're ready to go again. They're all desperately, you know, yeah. waiting to start again, but they're all supporting each other in the meantime. The yeah. funny thing is, Gary, that they're all sort of quite unique depending what part of the country they're in. And like, sure. you know, some are more serious, some are more light-hearted, but then you go to the Dublin one and it's yeah. full of dirty jokes and silly videos. The banner of the Irish, you can't beat it. Yeah, it's brilliant. No, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And it's a lovely place over there. Um, yeah, so you are know. you travelling on a kind of, you know, Every daily basis, or are you, you know, just pretty much the country, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I try and um, it tends to be the first part of the week I'll be going somewhere, and then the middle of the week I'll be working on the admin and stuff with my sister, yeah, um, right. We've made a oh, so you and your decision. sister are still working together on this, That's yeah, great, isn't yeah, it? yeah. Well, pretty soon, I mean, she was devastated when we lost the business, and she, uh she needed something and whereas I used to do this a lot on my own um, and travel around a lot on my own 
she started to come with me and she started she was the mother of the salon and now she's yes. become the mother of the um WhatsApp groups. So so everyone knows Belinda and you know, like she's the you have to get through Belinda to get to me, you know, like generally on the emails. And she just, you know, like she's the backbone of it all. And she's yeah. she's she did that in the business, so she did a lot of the admin and the she did yeah. that and the wages and all that. So she's able to do the budget and the and, and those type of things in this mm. and she keeps me I just hand her a, you know, um a handful of bits of paper and she sorts them out for me. <laughs> I'm, a, a, I'm a doer. <laughs> do you think having a business before has really helped you approach the whole the way that you do everything with this? Not you know, yeah. because I think you you know, you've got such a great personality and that comes across when you see bits of you working and you know, and which you would have to, you know, as a salon hairdresser, you have to have that, don't you? You know, right yeah. through to, you know, being really disciplined with paperwork and, you know, uh, motivating the people who work for you and training. Mm. And do you tra- do you have a training process in terms of the people, the volunteers? Or um, we've we've always I've sort of done that myself. Like mm. I've handed it. You know, I've I've worked with the team leaders. The team leaders have worked with their teams. So generically, genetically, it just come along itself. However, um, early, uh, no, middle of last year, um, we started talking to L'Oreal, and they've been fantastic, and they, mm. they're hoping to get more structured stuff with us. Just before this all finished, we've done some videos uh, with them that they're going to release at some point and give us to fantastic. use. So it's rather than a, 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 um, an email chain, it's now a video, a link, and it'll be like, if you want to volunteer, watch this. If you want to be a team leader, watch this. If you want to, if you're a cent and you want us to come to, you know, it, like a company like that can help us uh, yeah. in so many ways, you know, and they've been, they've been so far, that they've been brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and, and the industry as, as a whole wants to help us. That's what I'm finding. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, I mean, it's grassroots stuff, isn't it? It's wherever yeah. you work in the industry, whether you do what I do, or you work at L'Oreal, or any of the big brands, or you do what Maxi yeah. does, uh, Beauty Papers, you know, whatever yeah, you do, exactly. you know, this this whole thing comes down to grassroots, doesn't yeah. it? And the, the kind of the power of, you know, the yeah. haircut, the makeup. The, I know Maxine said that she'd been to the Whitechapel Mission a few oh. times and, and bought down, down makeup. The and, she was my doorman. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that. <laughs> doing it so well, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just, I think, the the kind of extremity of working in kind of beauty and fashion and hair mm. and stuff at a certain level and then coming to do that, and she was talking to me about it. We talked about it in depth, and I know it means so much so and the beach papers have been yeah. really supportive to your cause, haven't they? Oh, yes. And and Definitely. you know, along with other like L'Oreal and stuff. I mean, how do you yeah. think this situation's gonna affect you know, your funding and your the way that you kind of go forward? Um, do you think it's we'll just keep you know, at it, you know, and we've also got like uh Millie and uh, Kendall at the um British uh Beauty Council. Yeah, uh, they've, they've they've done you know they've opened so many doors for us. So I'm sure I'm, I'm really confident in the future that we can grow and grow. You know because we've only scratched the surface, um, and with people like Millie, like Maxine, like L'Oreal, you know everyone helping, we can really start to make this a, a, a movement. You know I'm really confident yeah. with that. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sure with your kind of, you know, your amazing enthusiasm and passion to do that, <laughs> that will, that will come. And I, you know, I really look forward to seeing yeah. the film and, um, yeah. you know, yeah. meeting you in person and, yeah. you know, um, and you're yeah, coming to the mission, I'm, Gary. I'm, I'm, I'm determined you're definitely coming to the mission. I will, so, I will definitely love to come and do that. I really would. I really we're would. hitting, we're just about hitting the hour mark, which mm. is going to cut off. So, um, what so what positives for you are going to come out of you know like this this situation you know that we're in? I think I think the positives are that I I truly believe that we are going to head to a better place and re- yeah. make a reassessment of all of our lives and yeah. reassess what is important to us. I always think that I know what's important to me. Um, <laughs> Good luck with that. I, yeah, exactly. And then I get bogged down with you know work and schedules and yeah. you know going places and doing things and you know yeah. I'm a very very proactive person and I you know I'm always I'm never bored I've always got something to do I mean as much as I don't want this situation to be happening and you know I'm just getting increasingly sad about the amount of deaths and the problems with you know the all the people working on NHS mm-hmm. I still for my own kind of mental health have to keep myself moving and going forward yeah. and I think after this, I think, you know, I'd, I'd love to, like, think about new ways of working in fashion so that yeah. we're not wasting so many resources and um, we can have more time to do things that are more important. And I, I just, yeah. that, that that is a positive to me. I, I've got to stay positive to this. I can't let myself yeah. go. No. Down, down, a, down the other road on this. Otherwise, I, I will not go to a good place with it. And I just think no. it's important for all of us, whether whatever we're doing in this world, whatever we're contributing, is to have a real think about how this can make a difference. And I think you're very, very poignant what you said about shame on us if we don't. Mm. I mean, that could, for me, could be the statement of this whole thing. For everybody and it's a shame on us if we don't use this as a platform to move forward in a different way and, and realise what is important just you know even if it's you know just the kind of climate you know the climate change that's occurring mm. in a few weeks is phenomenal mm. you know all of these things you know the world's been screaming out to change and I think it's it's put this here to make us do it we have no choice anymore right. so you know those are the positives I as much as there's a very sad side of it, I do feel yeah. very, I do feel a sense of positivity mm. about it for everybody. And, um, you know, I just, I just hope that we, we don't, are not in a position in a year's time and go, oh, well, that kind of all went away quickly, didn't it? You know? Um, but I, don't, I have a feeling that won't happen. No. I think it's shaking everyone up. And um, mm. I just, I, I really, Really, really hope that, you know, the work that you do, Stuart, is, you know, is really highlighted. This, this situation really hi- highlights the work that you do as well. Because I do think, you. I think you're amazing. I think you're absolutely Thank you. amazing. And I find it, Thank you, sir. you know, quite emotional when I, you know, when I've been watching <laughs> you and listening to podcasts and yeah. I saw the little snip of the film and I just thought, wow. I yeah. really, really take my hat off to you. It's an incredible Thank job. You, so I'm, I'm honoured that you've asked me to do the podcast and, you know, to have the opportunity to speak about, you know, some of the things I yeah. I think and, you know, a little bit about my work. 
you know, yeah. but I guess relative to what's happening now, you know, all of these things, the sort of work you do is so important. So thank you for that. No, thank you. And it's it's just got us away from everything for an hour, and it? If nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> just got away from that nasty thing out there. But, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And as I said, I've literally had a smile on my face for this hour. So, right. um, you know, I really wish you the best. And, um, you know, let's keep in touch. Absolutely, Stuart. Always. Thank no you. At all. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.